You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6. Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly. Robbie Vogler here as well. Uh, It's time to do a little retrospective on the four guys with local ties that played in the biggest game in North America. Four guys with local ties in the Super Bowl. Two played at ODU. Two played high school in the 757. Uh, one of them is a Super Bowl champion. So if you were just rooting blindly for local ties, you would have ended up rooting for the Eagles and you would have been disappointed. But Derek Nadi of Ocean Lakes High School uh, would have been the uh, like the uh, pretty good consolation prize. right? Uh, you know what? Still got at least one. Let's start with the ODU fellas. Uh, Zach Pascal early in the game, penalty called on. Penalty called on. Not great. Not not the best way to introduce yourself. It was a uh, little flare, little, little bubble pass, and uh, in the, in the pros, you can't block even if the pass is completed behind the line of scrimmage. And Zach Pascal was out there blocking his tail off. At, like in slow motion, it looked worse because the ball was in the air, kind of spiraling towards the the intended target and you see in the background zach pascal like wide base arms jabbing up to the chest blocking like he like like a perfect block really just perfectly too early uh but he did bounce back two targets two catches zach pascal of odu football who was one of the the bricklayers of the foundation for odu football caught two passes in the super bowl Even in a loss, you can't take that away. That is, like, we talk about the fraternities, right? Just making it to the NFL, getting a chance to have a tryout where you get a helmet and a jersey is the top percent of the top percent of the top percent. People that get to play in an NFL game, record stats in NFL games, make catches in NFL games. Even smaller fraternity. Make catches, record stats in the postseason. Smaller fraternity. Make catches, record stats in the Super Bowl? In the big one? You can't take that away from them. I mean, that is, you get the, the that jersey with the little patch that says Super Bowl 57. You get that framed. You put it up in your house. You wait for people to ask about it. You hope they ask about it. That is, and, and ODU, I mean, that's cool. ODU, text them, hey, can we get that jersey frame, put it in the Hall of Fame? Like, it is that kind of deal. Rick Lovato. We didn't talk about him. That's what we're looking for. He's the long snapper for the Eagles. Uh, there was a low punt. By all accounts, it was a good snap. And that's all you can do, right? Do your own job. Get down there. Uh, do, do everything you can. Rick Lovato, uh, already a Super Bowl champion. Now has played in two Super Bowls. Think about that. There's only so much. I mean, 
I'm a, I'm a special teams guy. I was a holder my whole life. Only so much you can say about the long snapper. Uh, but that's good. Like, like that's that's the best thing you can say about a long snapper is that we didn't even know he was playing because that means he, he didn't make any big mistakes. That's the only time you talk about those guys. Rick Lovato, hey, let's go. Josh Sweat, this is where it starts getting a little bit more complicated. Uh, Josh Sweat, one tackle. Now, and by the way, we talked to all of these guys on me, at Media Day. Uh, so so we encourage you to go check out our social media. Uh, I, I believe it was posted to our Twitter, which is still at ESPN Radio 941. We're working on changing, changing that. But if you search for at ESPN Radio 941 or uh, just Priority Auto Sports Radio 941, it pops up either search. Um, we posted videos. We talked to Lovato and Sweat and uh, Pascal, as well as Derek Nottie uh, at media opening night at the Super Bowl. So you can check out what, what they had to say, a little message for the area from all of them. Um, Josh Sweat was on a heater the entire second half of the year, had a little bit of a scary injury situation, uh, didn't end up missing any games, played well in, in the postseason. Um, that entire defensive front was kind of neutralized by Kansas City. We, we talked about this earlier, could have been in part due to the field conditions. Um, Josh Sweat is a very twitchy athlete. He's very fast. He's explosive. He's dynamic. He's powerful. And all of that at times works against you when you're playing on a, on a field that is not in the best shape, right? Because when you explode aggressively, you're more likely to tear out the ground beneath you, right? It's like... Uh, running on carpet or something, which is kind of what they were doing at times. Um, so that's tough. He also did pick up a penalty. Every time there was a penalty, I was going like, not our guys, but it, it felt like there for a little bit early on it was. Uh, he he jumped off sides, right? He was on – split the gap between, I think, the tight end of the tackle. Might have been, been the, the guard in the tackle and was in the backfield by the time the ball was snapped and in pursuit and uh, – I mean, if you're going to make a mistake, the way I was told growing up, if you're going to make a mistake, make it go 110 miles an hour. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was flying. Uh, you know, Part of him probably thought it was the best jump in the history of jumps. He's like, I made it! and Because it was kind of a late flag. Um, so he didn't have a huge impact on the game. Was out there quite a bit. Did make the one tackle, but no sacks. Uh, but none for anyone on the Eagles. So it's not like he was alone in that case. It was just the Chiefs um, you know, kind of respected that that uh that defensive line so much which josh sweat was a part of that they made it a priority not to let them affect the game uh and they didn't affect the game Derek naughty on the other side uh did play 20 snaps on defense did play five snaps on special teams didn't record a stat but hey you're out there the man in the arena right you're you're out there you're in the mix you're a super bowl champion uh i've seen a couple super bowl champions or sorry super super bowl rings uh, have I told the story about the one that got stuck on my finger? No. Okay. Uh, a member of the Patriots, and I don't remember what his name was, but I think he played at Delaware. Uh, I should know his name. Uh, but he won a Super Bowl with the, the Patriots. I was at Delaware at the spring game as a recruit, and he was like walking around and like, oh, where are the commits? And he wanted to talk to us, and he had on a Super Bowl ring. And he was like, oh, go ahead and try it on. And I have these these knuckles where like my – not the knuckle that's like in the hand. The first knuckle that's out in the finger, uh, they're they're very wide. So getting a ring over it, and then it gets skinnier. Uh, so I was like, all right. So I tried his ring on, put it on, could not get it off. And and eyes got big, and I was yanking on this thing. Uh, keep in mind, like 
about to be a walk-on, right? I was a recruit, about to be a walk-on. They would cut my finger off rather than have some uh, Delaware alum not get his ring back. So I'm yanking on it. I look over and another one of the recruits sees what is happening and he's looking at me like, oh no. And the the guy whose ring it is, uh, gosh, it's going to annoy the heck out of me, uh, didn't notice. So he's like still telling stories like, oh yeah, the Super Bowl was a great day. Uh, we, we, we did this, we did this, we did that. And I am just yanking on this thing. And I hear my knuckle pop. Like, you know, like when you pull your knuckle, sometimes it, it cracks. Hear my knuckle pop and the thing just squirted off. And I passed it to him so quick. And he looked at me like, weird guy. <laughs> took, the, took the ring back and slid it on his finger. Uh, so I've seen a couple. I've looked at a couple. Uh, Michael Lombardi, who joined the show last week, was wearing one of his. Uh, I've, I've looked at them. I've inspected them. I thought some are cool. Some are a little gaudy, whatever, whatever. None of them say how many snaps you played. None of them. They say your name. Some of them have the number. Uh, they have the score of the game. None of them say, like, it won't say Derek Noddy, uh, final score 38-35, go Chiefs. Uh, you played 20 snaps and didn't record a, sack, uh, a, a tackle. It's not going to say that. So the ring lasts forever. I see you doing some Googling. Can you figure out who it was? I'm working on it. I think he was a practice squad guy. If that helps. He was a receiver, a defensive back, probably played some special teams. He would have had to win a pre-2010 Super Bowl. Pre-09 Super Bowl. So it's got to be one of the early ones for the Patriots. Because he already had the ring and it was this would have been 09 spring game. I'll keep looking. All right. It's going to frustrate me. But I almost, I almost like, I could have worn his ring out and couldn't get it off. Then I'd be able to just look at the side of it and tell you whose it was. Uh, this is the 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. So there's a little update on what the three guys did. Derek Nadi, Ocean Lakes, Super Bowl champion. Uh, Zach Paschal, Rick Lovato of ODU. And Josh Sweat of Oscar Smith High School. Uh, NFL Super Bowl appearance and runners-up for the year. Uh, congratulations to all of them for tremendous seasons. When we come back, ODU, Old Dominion Men's Basketball, had one of the cooler events that I've seen this year in sports thus far uh, and involved Emo Essien. Stick around. It's the 757 at 6, talking local high school and college sports on your number one local sports station, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Follow us on Instagram at Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That's our Instagram. There is that period between 94.1, so make sure you, you, you add it in there. Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 on Instagram. All of our social media brought to you by Dominion Floor Covering. Do we have the audio that we're ready to pull this up? All right, cool. I'm going to set the set the tone here for you. Emo Essien, a couple of uh, weeks, months ago, it all bleeds together, earlier this basketball season, had uh, a very, very scary moment on the floor where in the middle of a game, right, and this is anything that happens medically on a, a basketball court always makes me very afraid for a few, th- few reasons. One, um, playing basketball as often as college basketball players play basketball pretty much guarantees that you are in wild cardiovascular shape, right? It's it like football. <laughs> let's be real. Uh, if you play a couple of certain positions, you can, you know, wheeze through running like a 400 meter and, and still be just fine playing as long as you can, you 
catch your rest where you, where you catch your rest. Quarterbacks don't have to be in great like, hey, I can run a mile in XYZ minutes shape. Uh, but in basketball, you do. Like even the big guys are making their way up and down the court a bunch. If you're playing pickup, if you're running drills, you're, everything is cardio. So anytime that something happens, like what happened to Emo Essien, I get very afraid. Emo Essien kind of collapsed, but not not collapsed in the way we saw Demar Hamlin or collapsed in the way we saw Keontae uh, Johnson, where they go like body lifeless. He kind of like sat down and laid down in a very scary moment during a game. And obviously, and, and the DeMar Hamlin situation was happening around the same time, you you become very concerned for the player. And and immediately, we're, we're, you're heart doctors and you're being monitored and, and all these sorts of things. Um, so he dealt with that this season, right? And had to sit out a certain amount of time and had to be monitored a certain amount of ways and a certain amount of tests and all those sort of things. Get cleared to come back and then he comes back. So that happens. That sets the stage a bit. Then ODU is having an up-and-down season, but they start putting things together, right? Which, by the way, uh, putting things together, they're now 8-6 and six in conference play, right? They are on a, a nice little win streak, okay? So so ODU starts putting things together, and all right, a little bit of momentum. Okay, Emo's back. Uh, the roles are, are more solidified. Chauncey can go back to doing what he does. All these things start happening, and... Then you look at the schedule and you go win against Georgia Southern, win against Georgia State at home and then on the road. You've won four of your last five. And Emo Essien's going to play along with his ODU teammates at Texas State. Okay. All right. Why, why are you emphasizing Texas State? I'll tell you why I'm emphasizing Texas State. Because Emo is the only player on ODU's basketball roster from Texas. And I'm going to let you in a little inside scoop here. Um, and this is like probably a, a an artifact of a bygone era. I, this will likely be changed soon. That name, image, and likeness is legal, and you can compensate players and things. Um, but as far back as I can remember, and I've talked to to players across multiple sports going back a, a decent amount of time about this, um, the dis- distribution of player tickets is always kind of interesting, uh, meaning – at least the way we did it at Delaware, home games, you got four tickets and road games, you got two. And so if you had a game where you had more fans coming, you had to ask your your like friends and family coming. You had to ask around in the locker room, like, hey, are you using all your tickets? Hey, are you using all your tickets? So if you are a red shirt freshman from Florida and you're playing at ODU, if you're a red shirt freshman or a sophomore walk-on and you're playing and you're from California, guess what? Everybody knows you don't use many of your tickets. And every Monday, people are using your tickets. I want your tickets. No, I asked for your tickets. I reserve your tickets. Can I have your tickets two weeks from now? Because I, I got a whole bunch of friends coming in. It's a big game. And I don't. And you want to be cool, right? You want to be able to call up your, your, your mom and be like, yeah, I got tickets for, for you, aunt and uncle so-and-so, and friend and my, my high school coach. Yeah, I got them all. So you, there's like this weird currency of tickets in a college locker room. Now, I, I don't think he was able to get 35, 40 tickets. Some likely had to be purchased. But he went to everybody in the locker room. I guarantee it. He went to everybody in the locker room and said, your family's not going all the way to Texas, right? I'm the only one from Texas. Your family's not going all the way to Texas. Your family's not going all the way to Texas. Your mom and dad, your your friends, your high school coaches. Can I get everyone's tickets? And I'm guessing a lot of them said, yeah, sure. Yeah, here you go. I got two tickets on the road. I got four tickets. Basketball always had a little bit more. They may have gotten four tickets on the road. Uh, 
There you go. Here you go. Here you go. And he gathered all of these tickets and he said, sweet, I'm going to have an awesome cheering section. And then uh, we're talking to Richie, Richie Somerville, who helps with the production of all the basketball games. And he's telling us, you know, it was weird, right? Because this game took place on Saturday. Robbie and I were uh, at a golf tournament. Um, just a little fun fact, uh, a little braggadocious. Uh, and, and Richie says, you know, the atmosphere wasn't that great at Texas State. They're obviously having a little bit of a down year. They're a good program, but, you know, crowd wasn't exactly raucous. He's like, you actually hear on the broadcast the ODU fans pretty well. Um, and you have to think in Texas, at Texas State, ODU probably didn't travel particularly well. Like, I'm sure a couple fans made the trek. There's a couple ODU fans in Texas that were like, oh, perfect. I've been, you know, relocated here, by, but I get to see ODU. I'm going to go. That's my squad. Uh, but I guess a lot of those are Emo Essien's friends and family. A lot of that noise, that raucous atmosphere, were Emo Essien's friends and family who thought, you know, and probably never going to play closer to, to us than Texas State. So they're there. Big moment. He's coming back from this medical scare earlier in the season. Big moment. ODU having a little bit of a, a upward trajectory here, and a win puts you at eight and six in conference. A loss leaves you at five hundred seven and seven. So there's a big swing there. Everybody's on the line. Everything's going on. Games coming down to the wire. Emo Essien, by the way, uh, turned the ball over. Pretty crunch time, right? So his brain goes from, I'm going to be the star in front of all my friends and family. We have this upswing. I'm going to be the star. I'm coming back from this medical thing. I'm going to be the star. And turnover. Oh, no. Oh, no. Slipping between his grasp, right? Just like a, like a, like a greased pig. And then this happens. Harrell stands at the top of the circle trying to interrupt any type of player that comes running toward him. Tyreek will have five seconds. He's got the basketball right now. One 1,000, two 1,000. They bring the ball into Emo Essien. Essien, can he win it in Texas? Emo all the way, throws it up and Essien does it at the buzzer. The Texas two-step comes home and says, I'll take that one with me. Wow, here's the guy that that had the big turnover that let Texas State back in. You talk about redeeming yourself. What a play by Emo in front of about 35 of his family members. What a play by Emo. Uh, thanks for our guys there on, on the broadcast. You could have heard that right here on 94.1, by the way. We are the flagship for ODU Sports. And and that game was was close for a decent amount. It was back and forth for a decent amount. ODU at times looked like they may have some kind of control over the game, um, right? Like a little eight-point lead with with two minutes left, kind of kind of makes you think you're going to be all right. But it got tied up. It was sixty-eight sixty, with a minute and forty-six left. ODU had the lead. They ended up winning that that bucket from Emo Essien ended up being the game winner, obviously, to make it seventy sixty-eight. They were up 68-60 with a minute 34 left. I mean, that is grabbing a win from the jaws of losing. That is grabbing a win from the jaws of a pretty decent collapse. It's almost, it's almost like they're like, wait, Emo needs a cool moment, right? Well, no one's going to get really excited if he... Uh, 
if he just scores to make it a, a 12 point victory instead of an eight point victory uh so let's let's make this one close that's pretty pretty bananas they went from 244 left in the game to a buzzer beater without scoring almost three minutes without scoring a single bucket single free throw single anything and then they got it when they needed it uh on, on the, the play that you just heard by the guy with easily the best story going into the game. And that's the other thing about, about this is most games, especially home games, right? Like everybody's storyline is kind of the same. Okay. You're in a college locker room. Everyone, most games, everyone's storyline is kind of the same, except for every once in a while, there's a random game, usually a road game where somebody is playing like in their backyard uh, uh, Duke basketball used to be legendary for uh, they would schedule the, their you know those tournaments like the the kickoff classics or whatever they do in basketball right at the beginning of the year that would be scheduled one out of four years in the hometown of all the guys from unusual places uh, uh, like Trajan Langdon was from Alaska so they would play in the Alaskan shootout to start their season one of the four years Langdon was supposed to be on campus those types of things and and there was always a weird pressure on players to play really, really well in the games that are scheduled in their backyard. So there actually was a lot of pressure on Emo Essien to do something with all those fans in the area because everyone else on the team would willingly defer to him to have his big game then because it means something more. Uh, I'll tell a story about playing at ODU. So uh, there's a game we're playing at ODU. Um, One of the first years ODU, wasn't the first year, but one of the first years ODU was in the CAA. Uh, Delaware, I was on the team. We come to play at ODU. I'm a backup quarterback. Starter gets hurt for like a quarter, right? His eye swelled up. They couldn't get it down. Uh, so I'm in there. And there's a play, and I won't say the guy's name, but he went to Bethel High School. And he's a wide receiver. And at this point in his career, I don't even think he had caught a touchdown yet, but he's he's uh, he's playing at home, right? He went to Bethel. We're playing at ODU. You want him to have a good game. And I'm the backup quarterback. I go into the game, and they called uh, a play. It was uh, the the, fi- the final tag was S pump. I'll never forget it. And I remember the, the signal, which was you can't do it on, on TV. Uh, S pump, right? We let the offensive line create the, the signals. S pump. Yeah, it was, it was a little phallic. Uh, so I know this play is set up for, for my, my guy, the wide receiver, the S, to, to score a touchdown at home. But it's a play I had never run before because we installed it like Thursday. Uh, the the starting quarterback got all the reps in practice. I didn't get any of them. I, I learned it in a meeting room. It's kind of a weird, awkward throw where you're kind of throwing it Willie Mays style, like directly over his head, uh, which is just an awkward deal. And and we drop back. We run it as pump. So I pump fake at him during the route. And then I reset and I loft it over the top. And it is just like, I don't think Willie Mays could have caught it. I, I, I little high energy. I airmailed it. Uh, threw it where it was going to be him or no one is what I would tell the coach, uh, but it was no one. And and should have been a touchdown. He was open. He didn't catch it. And I still wear, like, I can see it. If I close my eyes right now, I can see the play. I still wear that to this day because I didn't get him that play. It would have been his first career touchdown in his home, right, couple minutes from where he grew up. At OD, it, was, it would have been really storybook of it all. And it stunk that I messed it up, right? We ended up scoring on the drive, but it was, so it's like, you know, the coaches are like, who cares? And I'm like, no, you don't get it. It's for him. Uh, 
and I was I was very very uh, upset with myself and still am. So I'm very very happy that Emo Essien's turnover didn't kind of spoil his trip back home to Texas because he and his teammates and anyone that contributed to that play, you know, ten years, twelve years later, would still be thinking about it, going, "Man, I wish we could have gotten him a cool moment in front of his hometown." And instead, he got a cool moment in front of his hometown. So to that wide receiver from Bethel and to all of the Bethel community, the Bethel High School uh, football program, I apologize. I should have been able to make that throw. But in my defense, I had never made that throw before. Still eats away at me. Still does. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. More coming up next. All over Hampton Roads. For the best in local high school and college sports talk, it's the 757 at 6 on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. 757 at 6, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. You can follow us on Twitter, still our handle at ESPN Radio 941 for now. Uh, So you can search for us there. Uh, But, you know, as we mentioned two weeks ago now, uh, wow, it's been that long. Um, we are no longer ESPN Radio 941. We are now known as Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Um, but the same content we provide, just a, a different name and a new partnership with Priority Auto. Now, there's a lot of talk about the referees in the Super Bowl. That James Bradbury call, very uh, aggressive opinions in both directions. It's the right call. You have to make it. It's the wrong call. Let them play. Oh, ruin this. Oh, great that. What if, what if, what if the referees came out and formally said, or the referee's boss came out and formally said, yeah, we botched that one. Would that make you feel better or worse, Eagles fans? Because that's exactly what happened in the UVA Duke game. Kyle Filipowski, right? The seven-foot freshman for Duke. Uh, with time winding down in regulation, goes in for a dunk slash layup that, that would have won the game. There's a foul called. They say it was clean up top, got him on the body. They go to review it. They say, never mind. No foul. They say the clean up top happened before the whistle. The body happened after the whistle. We're going to overtime where UVA wins. Uh, they outscored Duke 11-4 to in, in overtime. Then the league comes out and goes, that's our bad. We messed up. I don't even think I'd want to know. First of all, you watch the replay. It was a foul. Just UVA fan or not, you got to objectively look at the, yeah, the foul. But if you escape with a win, if you're UVA, you're not giving it back. So see ya. Right. And, and you probably likely have, you know, you, well, you missed a foul on us back in the, the first half. So it evens out. You probably have all those arguments and they're good arguments. I, I just want to say, I, I'm not sure I'd want the league telling me you, you, you botched it. I think it's, it's one of those deals where we know you don't have to tell us. We know it was a bad call. You, you got to let us know. They know it. We know it. You know it. It's better if we all just ignore it. Because I like if, if I'm Duke, I don't – it's great. Do I get the win? No. Then who cares? If I'm UVA, we have the win still? Perfect. Then who cares? It's, it's, it's a strange game they play. And also, then all of a sudden you get to this. 
uh, right? Apparently, years ago, there was a play that Grayson Allen, who, by the way, I mean, anytime you can bring him into a conversation, uh, everybody likes to get get all riled up about that guy. Uh, Grayson Allen made a game winner against UVA, and I guess he jumped and came down, and his foot was already back on the ground by the time he released the ball. So UVA had a good time screaming at Duke. Well, now it's even, which, again, wouldn't you just want a good call? You always just want, like, once you make one bad call, that doesn't mean, okay, now we have to make another bad call in the other direction. You always just want a good call. The other thing is kind of interesting about it is uh, Filipowski, who's now hurt on that play, sprained his ankle, uh, but he's been one of the better freshmen in the country. Uh, and again, he's seven feet and he moves and he can shoot and pretty good player. Uh, UVA held them to zero points, which tells me a few things. And by the way, Tony Bennett, no clue. Hilarious moment of the, the postgame press conference where the question almost was just going to use Filipowski having zero points as like the, the precursor, right? You, know, you, you held Filipowski to, to, to zero points and, and then they were going to ask a question next. And Tony Bennett jumped in and was like, really? I had no clue. Which is a, a funny deal, right? Like, all you do at UVA is focus on, like, ball movement, good shots, and defense, and defense, and defense, and pack line defense, and not letting the other team's bigs beat you, and defense, and defense, and defense, and you held the, the other team's big to zero points. No idea. That guy's just in the game. Locked in. Uh, Mike Barber who I believe writes for the Richmond Times Dispatch. Correct, yes. Uh, he put a funny little anecdote on on Twitter the other day about Tony Bennett. He said there's a moment where Tony Bennett walks out of the, the tunnel and the crowd goes nuts because he's Tony Bennett, right? And he brought national championships uh, and, and, and much prestige to UVA and, and everybody loves him. And there's a moment where everybody goes nuts and before he, he zeroes out, Right, He gets very serious, very focused when he goes to shake the hand of the other coach, and then he's locked in mode for the rest of the game. But there's a moment between those two where he high-fives young fans right outside the tunnel, and he allows himself to like smile and take it in and kind of appreciate the moment. And Mike Barber told it as, again, it's just a little anecdote on Twitter, but he said it's a cool moment. Um, so Tony Bennett, what, I'm, what I told that for is once he locks in, I mean, that's an unbelievable lock-in. That like no assistant coach or stat head or anybody even pointed out that one of the best players on the other team who's seven feet tall and playing well, zero points. The other thing is, it's very interesting that Duke still worked to get him the ball with a game-winning opportunity, even though he had scored zero points. Right, They had a veteran guard, and, and I don't know if these guys fouled out. Roach might have, likely would have. He had 16. Uh, Proctor had 14. Whitehead had 10. Grandison had had 11. Like They had players that had done some damage. Um, but, but Filipowski got the ball. He was driving, made a nice move, rose up trying to, to win the game. And, and of course the foul happened or it didn't happen and it might've happened, but the league said it did happen, but it wasn't called everybody keeping up UVA basketball, getting all the breaks, right? That's how you just upset a UVA basketball fan real quickly. All the breaks, all they always go in favor of UVA. Everyone talks about the NFL is scripted. College basketball is scripted in favor of UVA, number eight team in the country. I'm kidding. I'm kidding Wahoos out there. That wasn't an insult. That's just it's a thing, Wahoos. 
Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. This is the 757 at 6. As always, we're going to pass over the last segment for Robbie, who's going to close out the show with Robbie's Roundout. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more. Uh, uh, and, again, follow us on Twitter at ESPN Radio 941. Follow us on Instagram at Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Social media brought to you by Dominion Floor Covering. I'll be back tomorrow. Robbie's going to close out the show. See you. The clock is running out on the 757 at 6. That means it's time for Robbie's Roundup. Or wait a minute. It's Robbie's Roundabout or Robbie's Roundout. Whatever he's calling it today, here's Robbie Vogler on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That's right. It is Robbie's Roundout. That's what we are calling it today on a Monday. Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. How are you? It is great to be back with you in the saddle right here on the station because last week, obviously, Tim and I were were away at the Super Bowl. We were in Phoenix all week, so we didn't have a 757 at 6. It was kind of the best of interviews, which I hope you enjoyed. We enjoyed putting those on for you. We enjoyed kind of the entire process of the show last week. We, we hope you enjoyed some of the, the conversations that we had with with the likes of Mike Golick Jr., like you just heard, Greg Cosell, Miles Garrett, so on and so forth. And I hope you were able to, to take some of your favorite ones, put some bits and pieces. And, of course, if you missed any of the conversations that Tim had with, again, A-list guests that we had on the show last week on the Tim Donnelly Show and then, of course, the best of right here during the 757 at 6. I encourage you to go back to the podcast page at Priority Auto Sports Radio 941.com and listen to them, re-listen to them. Some of the greatest minds in the, in, the, in the sports world we had on, and it was a lot of fun to meet them, to rub shoulders with some of the best in the business. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed putting them out for you to listen to. That being said, since we've been off the air, Robbie's roundout has been off the air. Obviously, Tim talked a lot about ODU basketball earlier, talked a lot about the 757 products in the Super Bowl. I've had a week to sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, maybe not relax. Sit back and and enjoy what ODU women's basketball is putting on the court on a daily basis. I have been one of the biggest advocates for Old Dominion women's basketball since the beginning of the season. I loved how they started that season. I I loved there were bits and pieces right in the middle where I was a little bit concerned. But then leading up to the new year, I told you, they, they they had gone a stretch where they had lost four in a row. They had, they had won a bunch in a row, and then they lost to Mississippi State and New Mexico in the Suncoast Challenge down in Florida. And then they lost back-to-back games in conference play to App State and James Madison right before the new year. And I told everybody to calm down. Don't let these, these losses think that this is what the, the identity of this team is. I told you... When this was happening, that it was around the holidays, it was around the New Year's, P- 
people's mind, people's schedules get crazy during that time. The semester had just ended, which means they were the 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 athletes were on a whole nother schedule than they were previously. They had had the entire week off because of finals the week before those four losses. Getting back in the routine, getting back into, okay, we need to figure this stuff out, that's going to take some time. And boy, did it ever. They came out, they started the new year with, what's this, four straight wins. Then they lost two of three. Two of those were on the road, or one of those was on the road. They lost at home to Texas State, and I did not like that. They lost to Texas State in a game that we were at. We were at the Chartway Arena. I stayed for the majority of that game, and you could just tell they just did not have it that night. Since then, since January 26th, so we're talking two and a half-ish weeks ago, they've won five straight and have looked very strong Every bit of the way. And that's what I'm talking about. They've only lost two games in 2023. One to Louisiana at Lafayette in Louisiana. And one to Texas State at home, which again, it was just a weird game. And let's not forget this. That loss to Texas State, it's their only loss at home. They are they continue to protect their house. They continue to impress at the Chartway Arena, which is so important, especially late in the season. Especially when you have two more games at home, and who who are they against? Oh, just App State and James Madison. Oh, just the, the two teams that you lost to before the start of the new year. And you are, you're working off a five-game winning streak, which has been absolutely incredible. You are now fourth in the Sunbelt Conference. You win these two games, most likely you're going to be vaulted into third or second in the Sunbelt Conference standings. And going into the tournament... Going into your last two games of the year against Marshall and Coastal, two teams that you should win, you talk about momentum. You talk about getting in a groove. That's right. I'm singing on a Monday. Yeah, you talk about getting in a groove where you need to get to. A win against App State and James Madison this week, Thursday and Saturday. I'll tell you this. It is one of the the more critical two-game sets at home that I think they've had all year. You need to show people that those two games before the New Year's, those back-to-back games on the road in which you lost to App State and James Madison were just a fluke, where you, you were discombobulated from everything that had happened around the holidays that you didn't know what day of the week it was because it was the holiday season we talked about that but it is so critical that these two games you at least split heck you know what you're at home go out and beat both of these teams 
It is so critical because you win these two games, you go into two games where you should win on the road, and then you got the conference tournament. And you put yourself in prime position to be at the best basketball toward the end of the year and at the end of the season going into the tournament. The sky's the limit for this team. What Delisha Milton-Jones and that coaching staff has done, what these ladies have done, has been absolutely incredible. Hats off to them, and I cannot wait to see this week. I'd say two of the most important games of the year happen this week, and they happen at home. So if you are in the area, if you are looking for something to do Thursday night and Saturday afternoon, head on over to the Chartway Arena on the campus of Old Dominion, and you know what? Go enjoy some ODU women's basketball. It's the last time all year you will get to see them compete. They are a special bunch, and they deserve your support. Man, I'm excited to watch that, and I'm sure we'll be tracking them throughout this week. I promise, I promise we won't let those games go unnoticed. That's going to wrap things up for the 757 at 6 and Robbie's Roundout. Don't forget you can follow us over on Twitter. Right now we're still at ESPN Radio 941. On Twitter, you can follow me as well, at Robbie Vogler. We'll be back tomorrow. That's right, full shows pretty much all week long. I think we have a, a shortened show on Thursday, but other than that, get a lot of dosage of Tim Donnelly and yours truly, Robbie Vogler, on the 757 at 6, and of course, right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Until tomorrow, we'll say so long. Have a great, great rest of your night. It's great to be back. Later!